This is episode 197 of G.I. Joburg. We are broadcasting from inside the slaughterhouse, baby. You're joined by Steve, your host, and of course I got my Saffa friend, Paul. Hey, Paul. Hey, Stephen. But in addition to the two South Africans, don't jump on my intro, please. (laughs) You know I like to (laughs) hog the mic. We have Australia's very own Zazel Logan Phoenix, who has guested on the show before, but most notoriously, he is the owner, producer, founder of the YouTube channel and Facebook group, Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse. Welcome back, Zazel. Good morning, maggots. Thanks for having me back. You're here for a very specific reason, of course. This weekend passed, and the reason for this very podcast, we premiered the second part in our Renegades trilogy entitled Slaughterhouse for no better reason than the fact that it uh, serves as a, a reintroduction to someone who's very near and dear to your heart, Zazel, and hopefully to the hearts of anyone listening to this podcast, none other than Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, yeah. My main <laughs> man. <laughs> well, i got to tell you, it was an absolute pleasure to be able to... Uh, bring some life to the Sergeant Slaughter character in a Joe Berg production. And I cannot thank you guys enough for that. Yes. In addition to being the driving, driving inspiration behind this particular Joe Berg production, you also voiced the Sarge. I mean, it was a no brainer. Of course you're going to voice the Sarge. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Zazel. Can you give us an impersonation right now? At ease, disease. Perfect. Heavy does that well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very practiced uh, rendition, I'm sure. How many um, of uh, the Slaughter's sort of live shows do you think you've kind of stayed up till the wee hours here in Australia to watch? Um, Well, I've caught him on about uh, five live Facebook viewings Um, each time. uh, I have a very unique name, so the more I'm on there, the more he sort of gets to recognize it, and it's gotten as far as to him giving me a... uh, a shout out and go, oh, I know you. I remember you. Awesome. Oh. So <laughs> awesome. Senpai noticed me. <laughs> and uh, actually. That's huge. That is huge. I think so. And another huge thing for me was uh, he was very kind uh, to give me a uh, Slaughterhouse promo to put on my YouTube channel. Very kind oh, to do cool. that. Yep. Wow. Personalized message from the Sarge. That's pretty sweet. That'd be like us cornering old Homer and saying, um, we're, we're some South African lads and we'd really love for you to say something on our show. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> oh, Larry. All right. Okay. So now that we've gotten the, the vo- vocal rendition out of the way, um, new shit, I suppose, is the usual kickoff section for G.I. Joburg podcast. I'm going to put a bit of a a twist on it this time. Uh, My new shit pertains directly to the uh, webisode that we just launched. I got the Core Beast Bomber and was featured in Slaughterhouse as um, this, I suppose, really throwback, but brought forward into the the bleeding edge with jet engines um, kind of transport that the Sarge requisitions to get himself and his renegades to the mission. Cool. Yeah. Is it cool? I think it's cool. cool. (laughs) Okay. A chorus of cools rings out (laughs) in the podcast. But, um, you know, I'll be a little bit honest and say that as with all of the sort of off-brand G.I. Joe stuff, um, like the core, like 
Sentinel One or World Peacekeepers or whatever. It, it's a bit shit. It is a bit shit. Come on, let's be perfectly honest, dude. Now I, I love I love the core. I <laughs> as a '80s kid, uh, the core and GI Joe were hand in hand for me in in, in my playtime, and there was uh, absolutely. Uh, for me, when my grandparents would give me one, and it was always my grandparents that did it. Uh, yeah, they were they were just as <laughs> beloved. <laughs> what a bargain! What a bargain! To me. They were just as beloved to me uh, as any GI Joe. So, uh, and they had some pretty crazy and out there vehicles, like the the big wheel. But having held on to that aircraft uh, and given it a, a good uh, playthrough, it's got some swishability. It's a substantial bird, which is exactly what it needed to be and it cost me all of about 30 australian dollars which isn't a whole lot of money um i found it on facebook marketplace uh, a local kid in fact was wanting to sell off his old toys and i happily gave him 30 aussie dollars to towards whatever he wanted to buy ultimately i did ask him i was like drugs you setting up for something <laughs> yeah exactly right 10 year old right, thanks um <laughs> <laughs> I asked him what he was saving up towards. He was like, I'm not sure yet. But hey, I'm sure we can all agree as children, the power of actual cold, hard cash in hand, it's yeah, it's it's very, very intoxicating. Yeah, now oh, he yeah. can negotiate uh, with his folks to buy loot boxes for him on his behalf <laughs> on Fortnite. So. so why do I say Not to be so cynical, David. I've got some new shit. shit. Okay, okay. Well, I, I wanted to just finally put the nail in the coffin with the Beast Bomber. It's um, it's just not very good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's got all the, the typical corners cut, like paint on the one side, no paint on the other. A play feature that, you know, it not only does it make sounds and lights up sort of elements of the vehicle, like the, the, the cannons on the one side and the, fortunately, the, the dashboard, the, uh, the combing of the actual interior lights up. But you can't do any of these things independently. And what makes matters worse is pressing the button activates not just like a gun sound or a bomb sound or like some radio chatter. It activates all of the above, plus like a little bit of music, like a backtrack, <laughs> like like some like hardcore rock music. I'm actually going to play it. I'm going to play it. Play it for us, Steve. Play it loud. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please turn your respective listening devices up to 11. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and so on and so forth. <laughs> Roger Tower, this is the beast. <laughs> Imagine that coming down through the cloud at your enemy below. I guess well, they were trying to challenge, uh, ch channel the uh, Apocalypse Now sequence with Ride of the Valkyries, you know? Mm. Or um, It does have a cool uh, feature in that the top turret, you press it down and the guns actually pulse in and out. Oh, right, cool. Yeah. I think the nice. coolest feature is that it can fit two triple T's inside of it. <laughs> Way! <laughs> Movie magic, baby. We actually got a comment on that. A bit of forced perspective work that's managed to i mean no one's actually fooled by this thing, thing being that large but you know it, it looked convincing enough they did kind of match the angle of the ramp yeah i think they were fooled but we're going to get into that because i i want to say something about beast bomber quickly like about the beast bomber and the core vehicles just in general 
you know when i i mean as somebody who's bought a lot of modern era gi joe toys and has had the occasional dabbling in some of the modern core stuff there are some core vehicles out there that sometimes outshine gi joe vehicles i hate to say because well they fit, like, they fit you, a niche that gi joe weren't able to mm. it's just weird it's just like what is the I, I have this cool like little hover boat which i bought for the core like or from the core line like years ago and it's a cool little vehicle and i think i paid less than 200 bucks for it which is like nothing in you know real world money um and at the same time i just remember uh i, I had also spent something like 400 rand on what is it i think it was the um i want to think of the proper name now it's not the sky raven i mean the uh the ghost the vtol um the skyhawk they had done the the skyhawk ghost vtol dragon thing or whatever. no the, the no, ghost hawk. yeah ghost hawk thank you hmm. um sorry just all of the damn renames and i remember getting this and thinking wow i paid a lot of money for that ghost hawk and it really is just this and it should have actually been as cheap as this little boat vehicle thing um hmm. because there was something about that little boat vehicle that just made it quite cool anyway that was just that's my two cents i'd love to hear what people have to say about the core vehicles i'm sure there's some real gems out there and i'm sure there's some real pundits for that stuff um to your point zazel that they filled a niche that gi joe didn't in many respects it's like there's certain vehicle types that hasbro just never dabbled in like mm. they never brought a large-scale fixed-wing aircraft <laughs> like the beast bomber or like the 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 ac whatever 120 shark um just a big transport plane gi joe yeah. never had anything like that or a frigate i mean sentinel one has many, a boat considering how many opportunities they had to make troop transports uh or action figure carry cases you would think that uh one disguised as an airplane would have been right up there mm, exactly yeah. oh well but thank goodness for the uh the knockoff artists then i guess even if they are of a slightly inferior quality. It's very amusing to me that when I was considering buying this, I, I obviously, as anyone does, you watch whatever review material YouTube has. And one reviewer was very quick to point out, yeah, I'm so glad that they went with a really thin plastic because, you know, when I see this thing in the package, I thought like, yeah, man, the plastic's going to be really thick and heavy. But uh, no, you take it out and it's really light and it's really thin. This guy's honestly like drumming up praise for it being kind of cheap on the cheap and and feeling really like thin that <laughs> <laughs> there's a core fan for you there's like to the death yeah absolute <laughs> core apologist yeah well you know they're out there they're definitely out there i mean I, I i think i was at risk of sounding like one myself now but something i forgot to mention on last episode um because i didn't get a chance to for some reason but i also got a desert scorpion so now Stephen and I have both got new Desert Scorpions. Yay. <laughs> Good job. I have zero with all his gear. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but thankfully it has all of its pegs, which is great. So the, the peg on the head and the little antenna is there. So now I can just uh, hit eBay for the gear. <laughs> and I cry inside. But it's such a cool <laughs> boy, man. Desert Scorpion is great. I, I didn't have a Desert Scorpion when I was a kid. David had one, and we had the rocket launching version of him, which uh, which I always felt was like a misstep. Even though they gave him the one of the cooler rocket launchers in the 90s line, uh, I always felt was, like this. It was Scorpion. Mercer's one, wasn't it? 
Yes, that like cool flip mm. over the shoulder situation. That was awesome. Or under the arm, however you wanted to do it. Which but, feels uh, like they were trying to at least in function call back to his original loadout. Yeah. Yeah. But, it just occurred also, to me that that was probably where they were going with that. They were like, okay, the original had this non-firing rocket that kind of went over his shoulder. Well, let's try and emulate that. Exactly. But like... It, it's a weird this is a a, a figure that's that's kind of odd because there's a lot of gi joes out there where i'm like okay cool um i try my best to try and get the joe with all of the gear you know everybody tries to get their stuff complete um but then there's some joes that you can just really not care about getting complete pretty much anything from the 90s that came with a weapons tree it's like who cares you can just get the figure and that's good enough right um i said pretty much but the desert scorpion is an odd one because the only thing I really, really love about his gear is his machine gun. Mm. And oh, I, yeah. and the rest of his stuff looks so chintzy. It like it's like I get what they're trying to do, but my word, it's just dumb looking. Like <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna send a guy into the desert without a single canteen. <laughs> try yeah. try and drink out of that bloody rocket stem that you get. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's it's dumb gear, but like and I don't know if I'm saying this because I'm bitter because I don't have that gear or if I'm saying this because I'm like, wow, I really don't want to go and like spend almost 600 bucks, maybe more to try and just get the gear. And that means the left and the right claw as you, as you went into detail with last. Uh, I think I know what it is, Paul, that irks you so much. It is that warring, like, I hate the gear, but I want my figure complete, but I hate yes. the gear, but I want my figure complete. It's like, uh... yeah. <laughs> Because exactly. he does so come with unique gear. How essential is the scorpion then? I would almost say the scorpion is the, the out of everything I've seen, he's probably the most essential next to the gun. And that scorpion is so lame. I actually want to go and yeah. get one of those scorpions from a, a cheap, you know, baggy toy set. You know, when you go into the toy shop and you look at those little baggies, they've got animals in and they're all in some giant like farm animal gangbang. And then you get like an insect <laughs> version of that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, animal farm animal farm dudes yeah i think i'm just gonna get one of those scorpions and probably just paint it up or something and make it cool for my desert scorpion i just hate the fact that he's got a peg on the side of his head which says here is something that needs to be connected and that like that's gonna irk me but i think i'll get over myself i don't know stay tuned folks one day in a, in a future <laughs> episode i'll be like i i folded and i got desert scorpions gear or while looking for desert scorpions gear I bought an eels version two complete with the shark because I love the shark. Really, really love that shark. Anyway. Zazie, any uh, new shit that you want to get off your chest? I'm sure you received a few slaughters in the interim. How close I are you do. to that 777? Yes, uh, well, I, uh, I've actually cracked the 300 mark now. So I'm up to 300 sergeant slaughter figures. Congratulations. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it, it took a second recount to to really let it sink in that I've, that I've hit about uh, almost the halfway mark. Yeah, baby. And any uh, any unique items that came in in this past uh, couple of weeks? Um, well, some unique items. Good question. I, I see you got an E one. Honda. Oh, my lord. Okay, so Edmund Honda. <laughs> oh, so what a bane that character has been. So every every Edmund Honda G.I. Joe figure that I've ever picked up, it's always got that kick 
action feature busted. So it's always in kick mode. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 got that leg up. So the I saw one fairly cheap on eBay, and I was like, all right, I've I've just I literally had just obtained one, but that one had the extendo leg, and I saw one pretty cheap on eBay, and it said that it was all intact, and the picture showed that its leg was staying down, and then as soon as it turns up, the box itself is crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost it's almost open uh to the point of where i didn't even have to tear it open i just was able to put my hand in and pull it out and of course that damn leg is busted oh no man yeah so i do have one on card too that i actually picked up roughly about the same time and i'm thinking i might just have to crack him open oh well, if you give it time he might even crack himself open he might he that's it so now, uh, after having no Edmund Hondas, I've now got three. Do you have trouble finding those with his... Um, I don't know what the Japanese name is for that, but let's call it his little towel. His little... Um, no, well, all of mine have them. Uh, I, I thought that that would be um, one of the things that, that would be missing. Uh, I think the most difficult... I've got, I've got two different variations of it. I've got a, a white and red one and a blue one. Hmm. Did the one come with the uh, the what's it called? The headquarters? Uh, well, it was like a repurposed um, uh, Toxo Lab playset. I don't know if one came with that. I don't know if one did come with that. But I, I think one's actually uh, the movie version, and the other oh, one that's is it. the GI oh. Joe version. Oh, that's cool. cool. Hmm. Damn. Other than that, I did get a third. Uh, so I'm not always all about Sergeant Slaughter because I did get a third Sergeant Smasher. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Just for yeah, a more serious That's the fun school uh, Sergeant Slaughter. So I picked and? up a third one of those. Is he cool? Uh, I saw – uh, am I imagining things or did I see a video that you posted up with fun school Ronnie? Yeah, fun school Ronnie. What a what a lovely man. He uh, was happy to – uh, do a little bit of a, a collaboration with me recently on that one, um, and you know he put a lot of enthusiasm in it for a, a few minutes of his of his time, and he was super stoked to do it and super happy to. I uh, cannot praise Fun School Ronnie enough. Really good bloke. Nice. Cool. Yeah, no, he's a lot of fun. I haven't met him personally. I've just seen one or two of his videos. He's great. He's, <laughs> he's crazy. Well, I've never met him in person, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the power of the internet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everything about G.I. Joe culture in India just gets me ramped up. It seems so, like, outrageous. Like, I love it. I love it. I mean, I think what sets the tone for me always is that commercial that, yeah. that he actually kick, kicks off all his videos with. And, and then you've got this guy, this enthusiastic guy with, like, a complete set of all the fun schools. Um, yeah, no. And his research is great. Oh, I love everything about oh, yeah. Ronnie. He's passionate about it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. As are we. And to wit, we produced an 18 and a half minute video this past weekend uh, featuring the Sarge, Mercer, Red Dog, Taurus, a little sprinkling of the Cobra High Command, a little sprinkling of the G.I. Joe High Command, and some beautiful scenery. But what is quite 
interesting to me and which was a huge gamble in the first place and something that is perhaps a good point of departure on this chat is that this video was very exposition character and background heavy like next to no action and mm. i was apprehensive that people would snooze that people would be like this sucks this is boring we're just watching a bunch of talking heads it is testimony to firstly the maturity of our audience mm -hmm. uh, and secondly the appetite of our audience in wanting to see these characters interact it's like we don't need to see you necessarily always smashing your action figures together I'm to so a cool soundtrack makes me so happy we can we can sometimes just watch these awesome toys get some life breathed into them and just watch a story unfold for 18 minutes and and not really think we've kind of wasted our time that like uh, this is dull why did anyone do this to begin with what why don't they just rather have dog fights with night ravens and sky strikers like so that that to me was very heartwarming and and great to have that kind of affirmation and the comments the comments don't lie man people people have really really enjoyed this this past uh, show i think i think one of the tricks there steve is that it's not the first episode of what we're doing it's like the second episode you know it's the middle so it's allowed to have that little bit of exposition and, and whatever's because the but intro the first episode was also quite expository chatty. heavy i mean yeah. well chatty no it it set the ball in motion and introduced you to the lead character and his it set up his struggle uh we were referring of course to renegade the renegades uh which debuted i think about a month and a half, a month and a half ago not a bad turnaround time, gents, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, you're going to hear a lot of uh, self-congratulation in this podcast. But uh, this is our victory dance, so let us have it. Um, yeah, not a, not a bad turnaround between the Renegades and Slaughterhouse. But uh, the Renegades was, yeah, it's, it's Mercer's uh, inciting action. Mm. You know, losing his friend to an organization that he had placed his trust into. Uh, and then being discarded by it really lights a fire in the man. Um, a man who was brought into shining life by none other than you, Mr. Paul Lobsher. Oh, Felix Stratton. <laughs> Very good. It's like anytime I introduce a voice actor, you have to give an impersonation. Well done. Well done. You took Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, something that occurred to Zazel and I this afternoon over a couple of beers, which was Oh, exactly how this uh, webisode actually came about, to be honest, um, was that you seem to have taken on a very introspective tone, maybe, in this episode. Um, mm. he, he, he's, he's biding his time. I think the, 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 the heat of his, his rage has kind of re been reduced to a simmer, and he's, he's waiting. He's waiting for his opportunity to strike. He doesn't want to be at the slaughterhouse. He doesn't necessarily want to be... Uh, in the the company of Sergeant Slaughter, but he's using all of this as an opportunity to hopefully exact some revenge, and it yeah. was evident evidence in your performance, oh, <laughs> so either you. knowingly or unknowingly. No, I, the words I, must I used today. Sorry, mate. The, the words no, I no, used no. today over the same conversation was that you're you're playing Mercer as a shattered man, um, yeah. and so in in my mind, I'm I'm as I'm watching it, you you can feel that. 
you know, he's he's lost uh, pretty much the the his best friend, uh, his you know his family. He's he's lost the perspective of where he thought he was, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, and all he wants to do is, you know, he's come charging into GI Joe and he wants to grab a bunch of guys. And he wants to kick a door in and he just wants to let some bullets fly, but he's forced to slow down mm-hmm. and think that performance, particularly uh, vocally and, and especially in the interrogation scene where, where the, the play motion stuff goes with it, where you can tell that, that his worlds come crumbling down and he doesn't know what to believe and just that shattered aspect of his personality, I think, really shines through. Thanks, dude. Um, because that is of something... Of course, you did have a cold the whole time, so that's probably got something. That didn't have a cold. <laughs> no, that didn't, that didn't hurt. In some places, it hurt because, wow, like I, was, I would do like a take, and then I'd quickly pause because, you know, you, you get that like tickle in your throat, and you're like... Bleh! Oh, sometimes <laughs> I did it on mic. I was having no, a great sorry, man. I, didn't, through. <laughs> I didn't hit the, the pause quick enough. Sorry, man. Um, <laughs> what, what were you going to say, Zazie? Well, sometimes it's movie magic and sometimes it's mucus magic, but either way, it's, it's working. When it, it comes together, it comes together, you know, <laughs> gets to the big win. Fine, no, well, I, I, the thing is, like, I think I, in a lot of ways, I, I try to be sort of, um, I don't want to sound like an artist here. Um, Steven's script, well, the script it's, as it was. Uh, I kind of got some of that feeling from the script, if that makes sense. Like, you know, looking at the dialogue that came before and then also knowing from all the conversations that we had. So I kind of have this idea of what the character was supposed to be or what I wanted it to be in some places. And I, the the whole feeling of, be, the whole idea of him being a little bit displaced, kind of um, biding his time, that was very much intentional, um, almost to the point where he feels like an asshole, sorry for the big, big boy word but he feels like an asshole for like falling for cobra if that makes sense so now he's in like this other outfit now and he like in my mind it's kind of like he is scared of sort of fully putting himself in and so he's kind of trying to do the best to like initially kind of putting a put up appearances like you guys mentioned and then as he like sort of grows a bit more of that comes out and i try to be try to do that um especially when him and Sarge start actually having a banter and that's when he starts coming out a little bit more like slightly happier and slightly like whatever's um and admittedly there's some one or two places that i would have liked to have played a little bit better uh done a bit better but yeah guys i, I did try to do that i just try to get a, a felix that felt in the like he's not 100 percent sold he's, he hasn't completely had the the gi joe kool-aid um and he's not completely sold on slaughter yet and and he's still like annoyed and pissed off about what's happened to him and maybe he feels a bit embarrassed about it as well and um that and also he's not a good guy like i know it sounds weird to say that but i mean he joined cobra first so there's a part of him that's actually a bad guy (laughs) and so when he's around all of this goody two-shoe shit he's a bit like hmm (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah so when you've got that when you've got that line uh, during the race, the Triple T race, and he just it almost says it uh, as a as a way to shake himself out of how he's feeling. He's just like, "You're better than this." Yeah. And then he starts charging forward, and I sort of feel like that's you know he's not only is he better at uh, you know whatever it is doing in that in that moment, but as a person, he's better than what what he was and and where he was. Unless I'm reading too much into that line, but uh, that's yeah. that's my head cannon. <laughs> well, I feel like like. 
I can't even remember if that is in the script or not, but I feel like the script does that, you know, like the story does that a lot for it. So it was a late edition, but it's, it's yeah. there. There was like a moment and I, I understand why we didn't use them or why Steve decided not to use them, but I, there were moments. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Just, no, no, no. Uh, but I mean, just, this is just a tidbit for the guys listening. So they know, but like when he was doing push-ups and things like that, there were these moments where he's like, come on, Felix, you know, you can do this. Push. No, no. You had some, some serious <laughs> zingers in the ad libs. Serious. Like, the kind I'll of shit that, that yeah dude it's the dirt like you're kissing your mama i'll kiss your mama <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly talking back to the sarge uh, i don't know i i i'm sorry um i mean i did use some of your ad libs gratefully love yeah. that line that mercer throws back at spirit who i mean spirit has probably said nothing that whole time that he was ferrying <laughs> mercer up the river but uh, he turns back and says what does he say? <laughs> Shit. Um, I think it says thanks, whoever you are. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the ride, whoever you are. You it's are? just like yeah. th these. He's being ferried hand to hand by operators from the GI Joe team and getting no introductions, no background, nothing. He's completely in the dark. They might as well put a, a blindfold on him. Um, yeah. And so that was that was a very very fitting ad lib. But to answer back to the Sarge when he's telling you to kiss the dirt like you're kissing your mama by saying, I'll kiss your mama, <laughs> whew, mm. somebody's going to get a beating for that. Well, that, yeah, but that's the whole thing. Like, I, I, I thought about that line like when I did it because I was like, I mean, because I know it's not in the final cut, but I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, it, this can go two ways. Steven can put it in and it can go that way and it can go in there and it will be perceived as Steve said it now. It'd be like he's being like he's challenging uh, the sarge and i know that having been in the sarge's position as an instructor in the kung fu school when somebody gives you a lip you do want to make their day that much more sunnier you know what i mean and i thought <laughs> okay well yeah. this is this is the point when mercer starts getting broken <laughs> you know what I mean? and then also the last little bit and i, I want to say this just because it's worth saying and then we can move on to the awesomeness that is slaughter and uh, red dog and and the rest of the gang but one of the hardest pieces for me to do uh, vocally for this was the singing bit, you know, when he's doing the, <laughs> yeah. and the first way I did it was like, he's totally, he's not sold on this. He's just like, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, Slaughterhouse, you know, like under his mouth, uh, like behind his teeth. The whole thing is behind his teeth. He's just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and that's how I wanted to play. And Steve's like, no, 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 you have to like play it bigger. You know, and then I like played it bigger and then I, I heard it and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to sound like, it sounds so bad. Like I can't do this in a way that's like convincing, you know, but it works, I feel, because he's like trying, <laughs> but he's not there yet. Yeah. Like, you know? so yeah. all in all, Mercer, Mercer is there for a month or just over a month. So he's actually there for a pretty long time. And I feel like when he's dealing with Sarge, he he knows that this is a means to an end like he needs he needs to get through the through to the through the slaughterhouse in order to uh get revenge for his friends so i think uh he's, he's probably at this stage thinking all right i've got the long game here i've got to get through this let's make it as painless as possible because if i drag my heels it's only going to take me longer uh to get to the other side exactly 
you know, like, there you go. But Zaz, I want to hear about your Sergeant Slaughter, dude. Because yeah. you nailed that. Like, when Sergeant Slaughter popped into the show now for a few seconds earlier, I honestly thought that was a voice clip. Like, you, you nail him. It's, it's shocking. It's, it's great. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I was uh, channeling my inner Sarge, and I, I really wanted to do it justice, um, not only because, you know, it's a G.I. Joe Berg production that I'm honestly thrilled to be a part of, but it's, that's my guy, you know, and if I don't do my guy justice, then uh, I'd almost feel, I don't know, I'd feel let down um, entirely, but I, I gave it a good crack. It's not always easy on the throat. Uh, there were a yeah. couple of times where I had to have a, a, a little bit of a, a break in between takes. Um, and there were some times where I was like, oh, no, I don't like that. Or I don't, I don't think the Sarge would say it like that and sort of give a, give a little bit of insight into, into the, what I you know, put myself into the brain of Sergeant Slaughter. I did see a comment where someone said that it wasn't it wasn't as raspy as he could get when he was doing his WWF promotion. So I was like, okay, cool, good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, think about it this way, if, if I can throw in a bit of positivity there. Um, you know, I always feel like if somebody critiques something, you know, like that, I see that as a critique. Like they, they said to you, oh, you know, it could be raspier. You know, they weren't oh, like... Oh, saying, no, they put a spin on it and said that sometimes the real article, you know, the Sarge himself it's the accent or the, the the gravel that he's put on his voice makes it hard to listen to. And I mean, I haven't seen all of the Sergeant Slaughter promotional material. And I have, I've, I've probably seen a very small percentage of it, but I can imagine it becoming quite grating after a while. Like it's, <laughs> it's going to lose its, it's, uh, overstates welcome a, a, a little bit. So if Zazel found a nice middle ground where it's actually pleasant to listen to this great uh then then power to him which i think is what that comment was trying mm. to say mm. yeah because i i mean for me i also take it as a highly positive thing you know that the it's it's cool when somebody who is a big fan of slaughter who would make a comment like that makes that kind of comment because then you know okay you're actually hitting all of these notes you're hitting all of the these like good points of this voice of this likeness you know and uh and you know Oh, it, it could be this or it could be that. But you know what? Like you've pretty much nailed it. That's that's basically what I feel is written in between the lines there. It's like it's like nobody's saying to you, like, oh wow, I was never sold on that Sergeant Slaughter. It's like your Sergeant Slaughter is so great. Oh, it could have a bit more gravel, or you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know I mean? Uh, yeah, a bad like, take a bad take sounded like Yoda trying to do Batman. Uh so I, <laughs> it took a little practice. <laughs> who is the dog now <laughs> sorry that's the picture i got in my head <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly how it sounded like okay uh, i've got to fine-tune it just a little bit i always have to be careful with felix that i don't go into like my solid snake voice because they're like very close because it's like felix stratton you know and yeah, yeah. this is snake <laughs> you know it's kind of like I got to like picture the, like that's like my thing. I have to like have the toy in my hand and picture this guy in my head. And then I use this like, like I actually want to ask, do you have like a, a line that you have that always turns you into Sergeant Slaughter? Well, like, I usually start, I usually start with a at ease disease or welcome to the slaughterhouse. And then sort of re refine that a little bit until I feel it, feel it properly in my throat. And then I was like, all right, we're good to go. Let's do this. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, so, like, I feel I have to do the same thing. So, like, if I want to do, like, 
uh, Felix Stratton, I go, Felix Stratton, or even Big Bad Cobras need air conditioning. You know, exactly. like I've got to get there, you know, or if I want to do like an Australian accent, I go, Koala, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. And look uh, at that Koala. Oh, gee. Throwing out that crocodile. You know what I mean? Like I gotta, I gotta do that, and I don't know if that's like a normal thing that people do because I've been watching lots of SNL skits and lots of like you know really good vo voice guys and how they get into character and they just switch. I mean, the dudes from the Ninja Turtles are insanely good. But anyway, oh, yeah. enough about that. Nice one well, on Slaughter. We totally felt it. Uh, my girlfriend laughed. She enjoyed Slaughter's lines. She was like, "Oh, that guy, that character is so great." She wasn't even <laughs> like, "Oh, his voice is so great." She was just like. Wow, that's such a cool character. And awesome. that, in my eyes, that's high praise. Because I didn't tell her who was doing what. Uh, I, I do that as a rule. I never tell Celia any of this stuff. Or if anybody's watching it, I don't tell people, oh, that's Steven's voice or whatever. I just let it go. And I just see how people respond and react. So, Well, speaking of, thanks for the praise, my man. I appreciate it. Uh, speaking of uh, Steven's voice, I could not believe on the first viewing that Red Dog was Steve. I was like, is <laughs> That's so great. Is it? I finally realized who it was that I was channeling. And a lot of people said Taika Waititi. But uh, to be honest, a lot closer would be this bloody Step 1 commercial. I don't know if you get it, but it's an underwear commercial. Oh, okay. oh, you I posted that links. And when I walk, they chafe. <laughs> that guy oh my god so that oh, was no. give, give me a juicy <laughs> sorry that was that was that was red dog i mean it's it i try to find reference for a simone accent um and while i can kind of picture one in order to key into the sounds you want to hear a native speaker speak for a while and it just yeah. isn't anything on the YouTube that that is of any assistance there. So yes, I'm guilty of of going a little Maori, but hey, man, South Pacific, it's all good, right? <laughs> it's certainly a little bit closer to home than um, I suppose the Sunbow guy. Though well, I enjoyed what he was doing. Thank you. Yeah, like I. I'm I'm grateful that, that people uh, warmed to Red Dog. I am surprised. Let me just say at the outset at how the Renegades have support in the Joe community. Yeah. I always thought that they were mediocre at best. The figures were always slightly lackluster because the backpacks were reuses and they came with a single gun each. They were not selling these figures to you on the basis of their accessories. And unless you gave the file card a deep read you weren't going to key into the fact that these guys were something else other than gi joe and, and and it would take a very creative kid to expand into that play pattern of these being gi joe's like like i don't know the guys would really take out the trash you know like oh, people yeah. who do the un the unsanctioned work um you'd also struggle to make the sergeant slaughter connection particularly if you hadn't seen the movie uh or if you hadn't bought it in the three-pack version like in south africa the renegades were broken up into single carded so they were rudderless they had no leader they had no affiliation to one another and they were just so they like in the single packs? they were just they were single yeah single packs uh, the file cards i don't think would changed much 
at all, but you didn't associate them with each other. You just knew that these were like subpar G.I. Joe figures that came with very little gear and felt a lot like off brands, you know, like core. Because mm. they didn't have like the G.I. Joe signifiers, like a cool military uniform or like an interesting tempo that looks like a unit patch. Like they all looked kind of bland, which is weird because they were colorful enough. But I just, I just remember having a, a kind of a, a lesser perception of them for it i'd much sooner be buying a gi joe that comes with a backpack and a knife that goes in the backpack and an aerial and a shotgun and <laughs> yeah i'm talking i'm talking about falcon here but yeah, yeah he yeah. was their direct um sort of peg opposition back then mm-hmm. for me at least to to round out the renegades uh in the live chat there were quite a lot of people when when the triple t's are coming up to the plane and they're about to take off for their mission there's a lot of people going oh no where's taurus where's taurus uh, you know, West Terrors for his mission, and I feel like uh, there was a great sense of relief once they realized uh, the bull was in there having a "Don't wake the sleeping bull." Yeah, which just speaks to once again how people have a almost rabid desire to see these characters and see more of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we can all agree that their sequence, their sort of raid on the Terradrome, is like a high point to GI Joe movie. the movie. Oh, yeah. I would always skip to that that section if I only had like 10 minutes to spare and just watch their infiltration and the action. And yeah, man, just, it was great. It is definitely a, a sort of a tentpole moment of the show. Um, but they are criminally underutilized. They have no comic book appearances in the classic run. Um, and I guess, I guess the Renegades fans really put their hand up on this one. Well, thankfully, you didn't portray Taurus as he was portrayed in the uh, cartoon. He, you can tell he, this guy means business. He's the uh, the muscle of the group, well, outside of the Sarge, of course. But you know, you can tell. You know, he's he's probably the more cold, calculated sort of uh, heavy hitter, as opposed to uh, Red Dog. That's the you know the rabid dog, I suppose. You don't get much to go on in the episode itself, but there is a almost throwaway line where he introduces himself to Mercer quite coldly and mm. says that we are Interpol and we actually read reports. Yeah, um, yeah. It's sort of a, a nice little slight at, at Mercer and the fact that, uh, yeah, Taurus might be, he might have a cover as being some kind of circus strongman and acrobat, but actually... He's a secret agent man (laughs) and his work in the circus is actually just a front to allow him to essentially be a migrant throughout all of Eastern Europe and Eastern Europe in the late eighties, it's spy central. So yes, Taurus is not some kind of lunkhead muscle Mary. He is extremely intelligent, independent and a resource to the renegades and to GI Joe as a result via oh, yeah. conduit, conduit that is Sergeant Slaughter. And I love that, by the way, like how you, you did that with that line. Like you, you kind of, I don't know how much of this was intended. I mean, I know that you're trying to make him come across as smarter, but there's a sort of sense that when he introduces himself, he's basically saying everything you know about me from watching the animated movie is completely wrong. Yeah. And that assumption that Mercer makes is the same assumption that every, that I hope every viewer who was watching this made with Taurus. Like they, they had that same like, oh, you know, 
the sleeping giant, you know, speaks, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And everybody's like, here comes Taurus. And then actually, no, oh, whoa, hold on. He's Interpol. And then everybody went and looked at their file cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good place to start anytime you want to characterize these guys. Rounding out the awesome voice cast <laughs> was my good friend, Jenny Stead, back in South Africa. Check her out on IMDb if you want to see her credits. She is an excellent actress and brought Scarlet to thrilling life, I'd say. I kind of I almost agree. wish Scarlet had a bigger slice of the action instead of just being um, Captain Exposition. But she gave Scarlet a signature Southern drawl, which was very nice um, because, hey, she is from Georgia. And while she is a covert operative and counterintelligence lady and no doubt can master many an accent, when she's expressing herself in her own tongue, why the hell not? Give it that accent, man. Well, yeah, uh, she got uh, a lot of early praise in the live chat, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. Like, I really love her voice. I, she I, is. I've been trying to get her. Again. I've been trying to get her onto one of the play motions for uh, for quite some time now. Actually, she, I mean, eagle-eyed GI Joburg fans would be thrilled to know that in the um, review that we did for Talking Joe during Cobra Convergence last year where we looked at the first four issues of uh, the G.I. Joe Cobra series by IDW. Uh, we did a few dramatizations, a few sequences of panels set to voiceover and soundtrack, and she did an excellent jinx. I mean, no flies on my wife, but Jenny really brought it in a scene that needed some bringing. Mm. No, like, that Scarlet was outstanding. Like. She's Scarlet. I didn't also, I didn't sit there and go, who's that? I was just like, oh, wow. That's what Scarlet's saying. <laughs> like, it's a goodie. I feel like I lost you guys. You guys still <laughs> Sorry, I had a helicopter do a flyby. I met a guy who was a Chinook pilot here at the Air Force Base. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. I plan on... Is going to give you having... a ride? Um, <laughs> maybe not as, as as far as that, but I certainly have plenty of questions to ask him about whirly birds. Aerial shots. Oh, God, actually, on, <laughs> on the topic of whirly birds and like wanting to ask a technical specialist about stuff, there were a few comments um, about some of the technical things. Most notably, dropping a triple a manned triple T out of the back of a aeroplane. Well, I'll just that crush that one right now and say that it's it's kind of addressed in the episode when Mercer says, this is insane. And Red oh, Dog yeah. says, you're damn right about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, they know this is not how you're meant to drop equipment. Uh, you're meant to drop the equipment first and then the paratroopers second. Uh, you don't I'm put them together because that's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stick him in the engine block. Why not? Yeah. Um, look, I, I'll put my hand up and say, yes, absolutely. That is not how it's done. But while we do tread a more realistic line than the comic book, oh, sorry, than the cartoon, definitely. And in some instances, even the comic book, um, there are instances where, you know, just let the, sh let the fur fly, just be a little bit exactly. loose crazy about it and it makes for a more kinetic experience 
it was coming to the end of gathering all the footage. And I must say at that point, just the palaver of having to find like shoots to mm. deploy the triple T's film that entire sequence, then have the renegades bail out. And while that would have been cool, would have perhaps tacked on another two days of sourcing stuff and shooting stuff and editing, you know, whatever <laughs> the sequence happened and it, it was done and i don't care yeah no, i thought it was right <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i i like to i'd like to make the argument that the way that you did it is a cool way that it is yeah. much cooler than having vehicles and guys jump out with parachutes at all i think it was just so you're Which watching is something that we've done we've done that in atlantis factor we did that we ejected mm. the 1983 hq and then after that airborne ripcord and stalker go bailing out afterwards so yeah. it's not like we were not aware of how equipment pallets are, are paradropped. But the final thing I have to say on this is that in one of my favorite issues of G.I. Joe Special Missions, I think it's 22, 21, I don't know, whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's a snow-based mission. And the snowcat gets ejected from the back of a C-130 at low level with frostbite and avalanche and snow job all snugly oh, yeah. in the cabin. Which is even more dangerous than the Triple T, in my opinion. <laughs> Whatever you say, buddy. At least those well, guys had I mean, a canopy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but still, there's three of them in that canopy. Like, they all squashed up together. I mean, they're smelling each other's farts all the way down, you know? <laughs> I, do, I challenge anyone to try and fit three people into a snowcat canopy and close the lid. That's... Yeah. Uh, my point exactly. Squashed <laughs> sardines. My point exactly. One of my favorite lines to deliver was, um, get escorted off my damn plane. And I was channeling a little bit of Harrison Ford, uh, Air Force One. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't place it, but thanks for that. You're absolutely right. Good old Harrison, grumpy old bastard. <laughs> well, Stephen, I mean, you had Celia in hysterics with that red dog, dude. It was, sorry, it's just. <laughs> she like is. Yeah, what else did like, she have to say? I mean, did, were there any other observations, or did she just fall in love with the voice acting? No, she liked the voice acting because it just—it really does bring a lot of stuff to life. Um, but she, she was just like that whole triple T chase. She's like, "This is so cool," <laughs> you know. Oh, nice. Like that whole triple T sequence is just cool. Everything coming out of the airplane. She's like, she's like, "Wow, who shot all of that stuff inside that that?" Uh, plane interior how did you guys get the camera in there and i'm like <laughs> she's like those things are pretty big inside but that's what she said first she's like wow those toys are actually quite like detailed and stuff inside and i'm like uh -huh. she's like who shot that and i'm like steven she's like whoa that's pretty cool <laughs> like, yeah. Look, and then she's like a mobile phone into some pretty cramped spaces but unfortunately the beast bomber is slightly more cramped than cramped so a lot of it was shot with GoPro. Um, hence, some of it was very out of focus. But what you're gonna do, man? Um, now I, I, I can't miniaturize my camera any further than that. One of the things that uh, I had a good laugh about, actually, she's like watching this and she's like, like it's near the end of it. She's like, which one are you? Like she's asking <laughs> me, and nice. I was like, really. And then I just, and I heard a bit of a Felix Stratton voice and I'm like, I am that guy. And she's like, I'm a word, really? That's like so cool. <laughs> oh, do you feel a little starstruck? That's great. A little bit. I, mean, I was like, not oh. starstruck. What's the word? You feel like the star. 
Well, you are. I, Congratulations. Oh, no, but I, I, what, what was cool about that is, like, after I delivered all the vo- vocal stuff, I've been, I'm sitting here and I'm mulling. I mean, you guys even heard it on the voice note I said to you. I was like, I still feel like I could have done Phoenix even better and better and better and better. And I suppose we all feel like that to some degree. So mm-hmm. when, when she said that, it was a little bit like, um, I'm trying to think of that. Yeah, it was, it was validation that, okay, I had managed to be a character without it sounding too much like me. Um, yay, <laughs> I suppose. Paul, you're an artist and, and you know that any endeavor like this, you can obsess and tweak and fix and, and try and, and fuss over it. Yeah, there can literally be no end to it. And we've seen the detrimental side to that to exactly how many uh, additions, tweaks, and, and just basically fluff have been added or subtracted or changed with the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy. I mean, gross. <laughs> just like <laughs> those movies alone. Um, so I mean, I'm not necessarily comparing our, our modest productions to something on the scale of Star Wars, but the principle is the same, that like ultimately you just have to set a damn date for yourself and put it out into the world because guess what? Like things that bother me about it would only bother someone as close to the production as I am. So exactly. someone who's essentially poured over these scenes hundreds of times would be put out by the fact that, hey, why does the buzz track of the leaves rustling only start there and not at the top of the scene? Oh, oh dear. You know, shit like that. Minutia, mm. I've, got a, don't I've got a little story for you. Mm. Uh, while we're talking about uh, viewing with, uh, with people, I was uh, on my second viewing. My son finally uh, woke up from his slumber and sort of plodded over to his spot on the lounge and I, I started it up. And it got to the scene uh, with the buzz ball and he instantly just looked up at what was happening and he was watching this carnage about to unfold. And then he was just like, as soon as, as, soon as that guy got run over by the buzz ball, he was like, oh, damn. <laughs> He was, it was, it was enthralled from that moment. That's so cool. And to get to get any sort of uh, anything out of out of a out of a late teen is, uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a hard task on itself. But uh, to get a to get a damn out of him was was great affirmation that it was entertainment. And I think we'd be doing perhaps the first splatter scene in any of these productions. We actually mixed together some some blood. Well, you got a second damn when it came back to the uh, yeah to the close up of the blood. He goes, "Oh, he's gone." <laughs> <laughs> Minced. Nice. Well, it occurred to me that yes, the buzz bore is posited as some kind of earth boring machine, but if anyone who's watched Avengers: Infinity War, well, no, is it Endgame? Oh, I think it's Endgame. Anyways, there's giant sort of buzz bores that are mm. cutting through troops. Like, oh yeah, a buzz bore used on. A, an infantry squad is devastating. You're just oh, yeah. tearing through flesh. And uh, it was something that I had always kind of dabbled with. Like, what are the alternate uses of this thing? How can I present the buzz ball in a scary... I mean, it should be scary. It's, it, it's a cutting tool. Um, but you need to set it up that way. And I don't think it ever has been. Uh, we've seen sort of catalog images of it, like plowing uh through the ground like a field but i suppose nothing sanctioned by hasbro would would show the buzz ball as a cutting 
of flesh kind of implement. <laughs> so yeah, it and was, I think um, it was intended that way from the beginning. Oh really? Some oh, kind of horror horror, yeah. horror vehicle. Yeah, I've always seen it that way, like which speaks volumes of you know the movies and stuff I I watched growing up. But uh, yeah, I've always seen it as like this people cutting tool. You know, the digging thing was always like mm, whatever digging. And is the pogo like a people stomping tool? Gotta be. Well, it is now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, then we are one for one, Paul. Because if I dial my mind back to last year's Element X collaboration, you had was it was it Copperhead who got squished by a pogo? No, it was an Iron Grenadier. Iron Grenadier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. So these yeah. unconventional Cobra weapons have very grisly uh, reapplications or alternate applications. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what makes them cool. But I've got I've got a quick quiet to topic for you guys. Sorry, just on the topic Ooh. of like, yeah. So we were just talking about the Renegades three pack now, um, and you know they're single carded, and now that you know we've done Renegades, well two parts of renegades now who is the renegade figure you would go and pick up on the shelves now like if you didn't have one who was the guy who's the guy that you would go and pick up now for yourself that's a good question so we had them in australia is the three pack uh but i had uh two brothers so if we were gonna get them we would have had to divide them amongst ourselves so if that being said uh, and we're basing it off of today's episode i would uh I would grab. I would gravitate towards Taurus. Hmm. Okay. The, the silent, the silent brute, uh, but the the thinking man. Okay. Cool. And Steve. Yeah. Make it. Make it two for Taurus. I two think Taurus. a similar topic did come up once upon a time in GI Joburg history when mm. I'd finally gotten all three Renegades, and it took me a while to get them because, like I said, guys, I was always pretty lukewarm about the figures. Uh, but Taurus, maybe it's because he's got the unique color scheme. And maybe it's because he's got this really, really old-fashioned gun with the mm. wooden stock. Oh, it's just, it's so, it's so like, like this guy never uses guns. But he's got mm. this old antique somewhere in his stash. But so if he, needs, yeah. if he needs to, like, take someone out from across the street in a, a hide that he's in, it's in some town in Eastern Europe. Um, he breaks out this relic. It's cool, man. It's got to be Taurus. And that beard, it's fantastic. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I love that beard. Yeah. What about you, Paul? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm I'm always torn with that set because I actually like them all very much. Um, but, you know, for as much as he's not the best-looking figure out of the three, I really do enjoy Felix. Uh, or I, I do enjoy Immersa. I've always that was like a a highlight for me to try and get that that character, and it's actually one of the reasons I bought that um, modern era pack. You know that that, that five pack because I really wanted um, a Mercer, um, and I really loved, and, and I think the the thing that made me dig him aside from the movie, um, I really liked how with that five pack they actually gave him an Ali Viper vest, um, <clears throat> you know like the the Ali Viper vest for him as part of his gear and then it just sort of all came together for me in my head and i was like okay cool and then it made me look at the vintage toy and go yeah okay cool i'll go for it and you know there have been some criticisms about that toy and that he has kind of a lackluster fa face sculpt and all that but that doesn't bug me so much um 
I'm really into that toy. I really like that character. It's the most complete. Um, and then, like I said, I, it's it's between two for me. Um, I I really di- uh, dig Red Dog. I've got a lot of love for that character, um, and I really think that you know, like that's why I keep going on about your performance on him uh, as well, Steve, because like you really brought him to life for me. Um, and I also that. he's got a great gun. He's like, got such a cool gun. Oh, I gave that gun to Hardball, and Hardball's got those cool like cutoff gloves. It just looks, it just looks so right. I'm like, oh yes, that's your sidearm from now on, hardball, my boy. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so it's Mercer for me, and then two Tauruses, and guys, Taurus. If you uh, on closer inspection, there's some very cool sculpting stuff happening there with him as well. So, you know, just if you are watching the YouTube version of this podcast, scroll on down to the comment section and let us know who your favorite renegade is. And if you're listening to this on a podcatcher, well, maybe join our Facebook group or track us down on Instagram or Twitter and let us know who your favorite renegade is. I'm actually curious to know, like, which one stands out from the rest. Is it going to be Mercer or will there be a dark horse in the running who takes the lead? Well, I'm suspecting Mercer. He's got a cool backstory. Ex-Cobra Viper, that's hard to beat. Mm Mm-hmm. Got off Cobra Island by hot wiring a Cobra Moray hydrofoil. Maybe that's a video. Include... That has to be a video. There you go. There you go. Paul's throwing his hat into the ring. That's got to be a video. Rounding out the new toys debuted in this episode, we have a sort of a, an additional character in the the slaughterhouse itself. Um, this is a toy that I spoke about uh, some episodes back in the new shit section it is none other than the 2009 pit command hq from the rise of cobra movie line and this is not my toy <laughs> this was on loan to me from the slaughter's quarters uh zazel this is your toy do you want to say anything about it and its portrayal in the the film uh yeah so i was always going to try and come up with um, a diorama of some description for my own collection for the slaughterhouse. And when we early on, when we started talking about how we were going to portray the slaughterhouse, it dawned on me that maybe it doesn't have to look like uh, a bunch of uh, old uh, aircraft material or, or cutoffs. It, it, maybe it could be a mobile base of operations. And then I got a good lead on the mobile pit, which I now refuse to call it the pit. It's now officially, <laughs> <laughs> it's the slaughterhouse for sure. And every time, every time uh, I got a message saying, hey, uh, we're going to take the pit down to the beach today. I'd be like, we're taking the what? <laughs> <laughs> True story. It is oh, and another thing now that, the slaughterhouse. And a, a little quick uh, bit of movie magic. Uh, was some people might not realize that the first image of Sergeant Slaughter on top of the slaughterhouse is not actually a uh, Sergeant Slaughter G.I. Joe figure in, in its uh, true form. It's a Sergeant Slaughter micro figure. Which yeah, I only we had today. to cheat. We had to cheat the scale slightly. Nice. I'm I'm glad to hear that, Paul. So on the first, second, third, maybe even the fourth watching. It wouldn't be evident, but yeah, in order to set up the the scaling of the pit, I mean the slaughterhouse. Apologies. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we had to say, "Welcome to the pit." 
No, gross. Uh, which yeah. <laughs> makes no sense anyways. Like, it's above ground, clearly. It's not oh, a yeah. pit. Um, but in order to, to, to get that railing on the top of the slaughterhouse to scale well, the micro figure was a no-brainer. And fortunately, I know a pal in town who has a lot of variations on the slaughter action figure. So I just I asked you that. I think it was that morning or it was the night before because we had an early start. But I was like, oh, yeah. Um, you don't happen to have the micro figure of the Sarge, do you? And you're like, are you kidding? How many? <laughs> no, <need>? sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it works. I think he is perfectly in scale. I actually rewatched a um, a playthrough of the Rise of Cobra video game, the level where your Cobra characters uh, assault the pit, aka the don't do that with Storm Shadow. Yeah. Well, yeah, you need some ranged attacks. Like Destro would be a good pick. But um, yes, turns out the scale of that vehicle slash playset is perfect for the minifigures. So there's that. Bam. Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse to the rescue. And another nice cheat while we're on the topic of behind the scenes uh, movie magic. There was a comment that. I think Red uh, being envious about the fact that we've got like a kind of a walk-in gun closet. Oh, yeah. Um, At one point, the Sarge takes Mercer to the gun cage to get him equipped for the mission uh, and sort of offers him all the typical weapons that you might expect the G.I. Joe arsenal to possess. And obviously, Mercer settles on his, his signature hand cannon. But what's the, what's the line, Paul? Plenty of stopping power. Give us give us that line. Plenty of stopping power. Uh, <laughs> it's like I'm watching it right now before my very eyes. Uh, the walk-in gun closet, you'll notice, has no hooks or any kind of adhesives. Uh, that's because that's on the ground, and I'm shooting downwards at it. So clever. So gravity oh, yeah. is holding all those weapons in place, my friends. That is the floor of the sort of house. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> the figures are kind of being made to hover um, inches off the, the ground by Do, good old hand manipulation. There are, I love some of those where you actually take the arm off and it's not obvious because I know how, uh, it's yeah. like obvi- you have like hand action going and I'm just like, Wow, like I don't even think about it. I'm not, my, I'm not even thinking of it technically when I'm watching that. I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. And then when I watch it like on the second or third time, I'm like, wait a minute. Gee, I just like, make an O-ring like zip up his vest. Yeah, so, that's exactly so. what I was saying. Yeah, this that that and, subtle notion of zipping it up, and then you know, the, the Sarge with his with his campaign cover. Mm. It was a great montage scene. Ain't nothing like an 80s arm-up montage. I think I have Cujo to thank for for putting that firmly in mind. He's all about (laughs) those kind of arm-up scenes. Check out the Black Book if uh, you haven't already. There's an arm-up scene in that. And uh, speaking of like, you know, we were were talking about like movie magic and all kinds of weird things. Uh, Red Dog's got a very unique Triple T. And I wonder if this video has maybe made the Triple T a little bit cooler in the eyes of some people. Well, you got a lot of praise for the uh, Red Dog decals for that Triple T. Oh, wow. I haven't even seen that comment. That's cool. Yeah, well, people commenting on the live uh, as well as there's definitely a comment on there now in, in reference to it. I'm sure of it. 
Cool. I missed. Uh, I will go and check that out. Thank you. Yep. Paul whipped up some custom decals, which I was intending originally to apply to a Night Force variation, but I didn't want to mess with the glow-in-the-dark stickers that were already there. So, uh, well, I took a kind of piece of black glossy cardboard and cut it to fit the panels, and then it was going to fit the decals onto the black uh, black cardboard, but they just didn't show up. So it was like, ah, damn it. Uh, I guess thanks. we'll just ditch ditch that idea. But... Once again, the slaughterhouse to the rescue. Zazel had a unstickered standard triple T release. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. the red. If you need a fleet of triple T's, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've already hooked, hooked me up with a very generous donation in that regard, Zaz. So, yeah, man, you're good. You're good. In my book, I'm going yeah. to make a bit of a plug then. I think um, I think we should make those stickers available to our patrons. What do you guys think? Like, yeah, it I would be a shame if they weren't available at all. Yeah, yeah. So that's a nice little Patreon incentive. If you're part of the Berg Force, <laughs> you can download those stickers. I'll make sure that they're up by the time that you are listening to this video or listening, viewing, however you consume this media. But uh, well, I'll then Paul, I defy you to come up with a unique Taurus and Mercer set as well. Cool, oh, yeah. I've already conceptualized those because I actually thought ah, you were going to ask me for those. Wicked. And that question never came up in the chat box. So I was like, okay, so it's just Red Dog then. Cool. Um, but uh, yes, there will be, uh, there is a Mercer idea in my head for them. And there is a, um, a, a, a Taurus. And Sarge doesn't need one because Sarge is large and in, and in charge. So with his yeah. <laughs> Sarge has got his name plastered on the standard release. I don't think he needs anything more than that and the USA library. Exactly. Yeah, it's perfect, man. Um, and Zazel, just a quick question for you, man. Um, so would your hangar of triple T's be called the TT house? <laughs> <laughs> well, it will be now. <laughs> Lock it in. <laughs> Red dog. Fetch me a triple T from the titty house. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible sergeant slaughter. It pales in comparison, but you know. <laughs> well, I wasn't the uh, the first person to throw a uh, sergeant slaughter voice at a Joe Berg production. One of my absolute favorite episodes, obviously, is graduation day. So I uh, I reckon that that must get a playthrough in my household at least twice a month. Wow. Hey, thanks. So you're responsible for all those extra hits. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, that video was dead in the water. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it now that I've heard your rendition. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I tended an okay version, I suppose, but I, I can't really summon up that kind of gravel. I'm a singer. Well, as, a Sarge fan, as a Sarge fan, I, I give it thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Cheers. Nice. Well, a lot of the ad libs and lines were tossed at me from Paul, in fact. So, once again, <laughs> a collaborative effort in bringing the Sarge to life. But you've got to get those put downs right, I guess. So I'm <laughs> going to do the uh, I'm going to do the nerdy thing and give my mum a shout out. She uh, she sat down and uh, and watched the latest uh, Slaughterhouse episode on a few occasions, trying to pick out uh, which voices I had done, uh, and she knew she knew full well. Uh, that I had done um, Sergeant Slaughter, but she was struggling to figure out the other voices that I did. So I haven't given it away uh, just yet. She's still struggling with it, but I'll, I'll let you know now, Mum. It's uh, Chuckles and Wild Bill. Nice. 
Well, I didn't even know that, dude. That's go you. <laughs> My wild bill wasn't that great. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> no, it was great. It was very so, good. And it was a no-brainer as well because if anyone can cast their minds back to your first guest spot on the, the G.I. Joe Big Podcast, I asked you who your runner-up favorite G.I. Joe character is after the Sarge, and it was none other than Wild Bill who gets a brief cameo uh, as the second second seat, um, the first officer of the the Beast Bomber. We should really come up with a more authentic G.I. Joe name for that. But anyways, um, and... You got a, a bit of a favorable mention in the comments thread about uh, your your delivery on Wild Bill. I thought that that line would would kind of go for nothing because <laughs> it's kind of so brief and it's so random. But driver right on down to the green. <laughs> well, <laughs> how many times did I try that line? I, I think I laughed through it one time. I was just I was just not nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought uh, you brought your best Wild Bill, and it was certainly appreciated by. By the audience and by the members of the podcast. So thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. And thank Chuckles, you. yes. Chuckles gets a well, we get to see the back of Chuckles' head back for of- an entire scene. That was my second go through for Chuckles. The first one, I tried to keep it uh, as a sort of a natural Aussie accent, thinking that Chuckles is a man of the world. Um, but I didn't it didn't quite play right and putting on the best American accent I could. I think it uh, helped sell that scene. You should have just said koala in the beginning. You would have yeah, said, that's what, that was my problem. I couldn't, I couldn't get the Aussie accent right. How was it? Ko- koala. 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 Mm. Yeah, I can't do it. It's a koala. Koala. Passport, man. <laughs> Crocodile. What's well, that fucker doing to that koala? Somebody get a camera. <laughs> Paul, you gave a very interesting uh, uh, line reading for Crocmaster. <laughs> an audition perhaps <laughs> i insist that that is the voice that he uses can we hear some of it now uh yeah hold on <laughs> steven's like oh god hold on <laughs> right, Keith, give me a juicy hold on here comes gi joe <laughs> <laughs> welcome to your doom gi joe i've got to be crocodile i'm going to take you for dinner with the crocodile no not actually take you for dinner i'm going to feed you to my <laughs> crocodile for dinner Okay, I want you to be afraid now. Okay. Go, crocodile. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I'm oh, making me sound like Christopher Nolan's Bane. Oh, welcome to the swamp. <laughs> you merely adapted the swamp. I was born into it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's oh, it's part that. three, I guess. Um, part three is where it all happens. The action, the uh, unstoppable force, and the immovable object will meet. Well, we were what unsure how we were going to end uh, the slaughterhouse, and I think uh, having a bit of a tease with Crocmaster was a a great way to set up the next episode. Mm, they're definitely like onto something. Party. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I didn't use the standard croc master croc. For whatever reason, I thought the <laughs> the animal orgy gift bag uh, crocodile <laughs> looked a bit spookier with its red it, eyes. It definitely does. Full on. Good. It does. Yeah. Nothing like, the, nothing like a black croc. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, sadly, the original croc master's crocodile pales in comparison to the modern era re-release. 
and um oh yeah yeah and it just looks so cuddly it's so cute it's like yeah, I, it's I'm a little overfed <laughs> i'll bite you <laughs> don't take a dip in my pool i'll bite you nailing it yeah no. um Gentlemen, no, should no, we no. switch tracks for a sec? Um, I would be remiss if I didn't do a quick postbox the pit, because guess what? Troy Smith has once again given us an awesome voice note, which I'm playing cold. So let's see what he has to say. Mm -hmm. Hello, G.I. Joburg. Lieutenant Falcon here. Cobra's been spotted outside the village area. We need you to take the Desert Fox and do a recon. The question is, who are you going to take with you? Who's your driver? Who's your gunner? Who's running comms for the bombs in the back? And who's running shotgun? Okay. I love this. A crew assignment question. For the Desert None. Fox. Just making sure I heard that correctly. Exactly right. Cool. Who's driving? Who's riding shotgun? Who's on the AA gun? <laughs> and who's on the comms in the back? So it's well, um. <laughs> Sarge, Sarge, and Sarge. Yeah, so we've got Sarge version one. We've got Sarge version two. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, well, look, I can't not choose Sarge. Um, we'll put, uh, if I'm going to grab Sarge, then I might as well grab the uh, the Marauders as well. Let's let's load that thing up with all the Marauders. And we'll put, we'll put uh, Freedom overhead, keeping watch, and uh, Mutt in the back. Uh, with Junkyard, just uh, each one of them fighting over who's going to have a Scooby snack. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. Well, that's a pretty loaded Desert Fox if you're going to have all the Marauders and and the good old Sarge. Nice. I'll make it work. Nice. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing about the Desert Fox is it's it's slightly modular in that it's not too difficult to pop the turret out. Which mm. frees up that flatbed for, I don't know, three or four guys if you you know at a push. How about you, Paul? Hmm. Um, so um, in the driver's seat, I think uh, I think Skidmark is still the best driver for that vehicle. Um, and I would hate to take Skidmark out of that vehicle because what's he going to do? Uh, direct uh, air traffic on the deck of the uh, of the flag. You know what I mean? Like so. Let's keep him in the desert box. That's cool. As a driver. Um, as the gunner, I'm going to go for Dusty. And the reason I choose Dusty is because he understands the terrain really well. So he'll be able to spot um, weirdness in the terrain. Like, So if, if there's like an ambush on, on their path or whatever, he'll see it coming because he knows. He knows the environment. So rather have him on the guns because he can spot. You know, he can be like, oh, cool. You know, enemy at our like 12 or whatever. And uh, for combo... Uh, it's going to sound like so basic, but I think dial tone would be very cool and looks cool in that vehicle as well. I like dial tone in there for combo. If you if you want to use a comms guy that's maybe a little bit more desert colored, you could go with Sparks. Sparks, I suppose. But I mean, why why do I feel like there isn't a toy for Sparks? Uh, he did eventually get one um, in the, was it the Tanks for the Memory set? Oh yeah, true. Wow. Hey. Jeez. That's that's going that's deep. A, a convention a convention set. Very good. Yeah, because uh well I actually I mean I only know Sparks from you know Worlds Without End. I think is that's the 
Is it Worlds Without End is the name of the episode? Anyway. Oh, I don't know. It's in the first season of Sunbow, before there was a dial tone, I guess occasionally Sparks was often seen with uh, Colonel Sharp. Actually, you know, sorry, you know, uh, yeah, because then he gets whisked to that other world, that parallel dimension. No, Sparks doesn't. As no, Spark most... retires. Spark retires and um, Breaker then enters the show. Because that's actually the character, now that I think about it, I sh- would actually switch Breaker out, have Breaker in the for Como. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think he's more field-worthy. I'm not saying Dialtone's not. I just think Breaker just seems to work better with, with the Desert Fox and that crew in particular. So I think him and Dusty would get on better. <laughs> I think Dialtone can be a bit too technical for his own good. But anyway, this yeah, that's me. question is a bit of a cheat, uh, really, for me, because I happen to have my Desert Fox. It was one of the few vehicles that I packed <laughs> and brought with me. Who's loaded in it, then? Well, I am a bit of a slave to keeping the, the eras of G.I. Joe distinct. So my loadout for the Desert Fox typically are the guys released in the later 80s, so 88 and 89 which is a very auspicious period because that's kind of the period where the G.I. Joburg avatars come from. So right now, Shockwave is definitely in shotgun position. Um, I think I've got hardball driving because those, those damn cutoff gloves, man. They just oh, yeah. look like ra- racing gloves. So yeah, he's the wheel man. Um, hit and run is on the boom, boom gun. And who's on Como, but none other than my man, Scoop. Cool. Yeah, that'll work. Also, I don't like to display my Desert Fox with the missiles. I like to keep the weight down. And also, I'm not a fan of that trend of the kind of latter 80s G.I. Joe vehicles just slapping missiles naked onto like pretty much every available surface. Mm. Um, and why they weren't on the Pickle T during the race. Yes, and also perhaps just recreational driving on a triple T when you're not on a mission uh, with ordnance strapped to your vehicle is perhaps a little bit dangerous, even for the renegades. Mm. Like, come on, come on, come on, guys. This is a training Maybe mission. Maybe not the red dog. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, look, I, that's why I don't always have my Tomahawk loaded with like its entire bomb load. You know, keep it, keep it tasteful. Like if we're just ferrying the general from sort of a forward area to like the base uh yeah also yeah the havoc is another um culprit i'd say and a lot of people put their havoc missiles facing forwards which kind of jives with the way it's designed but then again why do the missiles face backwards well there might be a secret reason that gi joeberg is gonna gonna expose in a future play motion perhaps yeah, it's, coming, it's coming guys yeah yeah watch out <laughs> <laughs> so yes um yeah my, my desert fox doesn't have its missiles but i think it looks better for it almost wish it doesn't have the missile skegs and was just clean because that gun is sufficient that's oh man that's like the north africa campaign between the british sas and the italians and the, the nazis you know, when they were just loading up Willie's Jeeps and crossing the desert um, and drilling um, uh, Italian and, and German air forces, uh, air bases. Yeah, cool stuff. They weren't filling Jeeps with Willie's. <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> yeah, crickets. 
Uh, and I think that's all I'm going to pull out of Postbox the Pit for this podcast. Um, no specific emails came in. And while I could happily crack open the YouTube comment sections on the last two videos, um, they are overwhelming praise. So, you know, even my ego will start feeling a bit nauseous after a while. But, like, it, it's great. Magnus got very, very warm comments on his, his Lego creations and very, very well justified. Those things are incredible. And oh, yeah. Slaughterhouse got uh, also an avalanche of praise. So thank you to everyone who commented. It's always appreciated. And I always hit a bit of a slump making these things where it's really, really becoming a fight with my computer. <laughs> um, so I think I put it best in a, in a response to Jim Godfrey when I said that I would do these things for the love even in a vacuum, but it's knowing that there is an appreciative audience out there waiting that makes me complete these things instead yeah. of just being like, okay, I've kind of kind of had enough now. I've, I've had my fill of the process. Um, I'm going to leave it there and walk away and save my sanity and my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. And with that, gentlemen, is there anything else uh, anyone wants to add about Slaughterhouse? I do know that we could keep drawing. I mean, there are plenty of talking points to be touched on. Um, little little knickknacks, like, did you know, for instance, that the officer who gets charred by the buzz boy is none other than the officer who failed to eliminate Mercer in part one? Oh, yeah. There was, a, there was one comment that picked up on that. So well done to that viewer. Indeed, Failure. deep, deep watchings, deep viewings will be rewarded. But hey, I mean, just on the surface level, if you just like watching toys getting made to walk and talk seemingly by magic, <laughs> you have a happy home in the GI Joe Play Motion uh, Library. Indeed, yeah, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and when it's all finished, I'm pretty sure we we will do a commentary uh, track again. Oh, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, man. Yeah, so anything we missed here, I'm sure we will get to there, if memory serves us. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure a lot of things will come back to us as we're sitting there and, and watching it. Thoughts and feelings, emotions, uh, the itchiness from the mosquito bites uh, from waking <laughs> up and, and playing before the sun came up. Actually, here's a, here's a little story I'll give you before we uh, finish up. I, uh, I showed up uh, a little bit before Steve and i was unprepared for the amount of mosquitoes that were going to be around and i actually approached this elderly fisherman uh you know um i guess heart in hand and i was like please sir have you have you got any mosquito repellent and and the and the and the chap was so lovely he was he was happy to to give me some of his uh uh some raid to ease me of this mosquito infestation it was brutal. Before sunrise, they are really, really active. And oh, yeah. this location was a stagnant pool, essentially, at that time of day, yes. because the tide action hadn't broken through. But boy, oh boy, did we get lucky that day, didn't we, Zazel? Because oh, yeah. you'll notice that when Mercer's dropped off by Spirit in the raft, it's a perfectly still, tranquil body of water. Uh, it makes floating that thing a cinch because i was at first concerned that it wouldn't float at all particularly not with two figures on board it's a very petite craft but if there was any kind of wave action it would have made mm. 
that sequence impossible. You know, you've got yeah. freedom swooping up. We follow him towards the sun and then he swoops across and we catch the the raft heading in the distance and then we cut to a close-up on the raft. That raft would have not been able to stay in place had it not been a perfectly still stagnant pond. But not even an hour after that, when we're filming Slaughter administering push-ups to Mercer in the in the dirt, uh, the water behind that is churning because oh, the, yeah. tide had the tide had broken through and it was now no longer a very still pond, but a very roiling bit of water. So, yeah. Happy we, had curious, we had some curious onlookers at that point too. Oh, expect that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Stick around, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get some very curious onlookers and, and hopefully one or two dogs that uh, really want to find a new chew toy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that, guys. Uh, Zazel, do you want to plug your socials, buddy? Please do. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. So check us out on Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse uh, YouTube channel where, as I mentioned earlier, Fun School Ronnie was kind enough to uh, jump in on my latest review of Sergeant Smasher. Uh, so do go ahead and check that out. Uh, we also have a Facebook group that you're more than welcome to uh, pop in and, and discuss everything Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, that's all I've got. Nice. Cool. I want to just drop in... Um... We do have an awesome Patreon, um, and you can come join the Bogue Force for as little as $3. Um, and there you have access to all kinds of great stuff like discounts on our merch store, um, early access to some of the videos, uh, audience participation in our podcasts, because uh, we do these live interactive podcasts. I'm sure some of you may have heard the audience there, so you get to join that if you support our Patreon. And yeah, uh, every now and then, I do crazy stuff like release wallpapers and all kinds of stuff. So come check it out. Um, it's it's totally cool. You're totally supporting something that uh, we love doing. And we're making something awesome together. And then also check out our merch store if you want to get some cool G.I. Joe Berg merch. Um, you know, we've got a great selection of awesome T-shirts and socks and blankies and face masks and all kinds of fun stuff. So go and check and it out. And a funny pack. And a funny pack. Yes, so you can keep all of your toys when you go and shoot your own play motion adventures out in the wild. Uh, True story. I have a fanny pack, and yeah, it really does. Contains tripods, <laughs> toys, GoPro, uh, a a screwdriver set, just in case you need to do an on-the-go uh, part swap. Screw. Lazy boy yeah. custom. Yeah. There you go. So um, yeah, so guys, go and check that all out if you get a chance. Uh, if that tickles your fancy. Otherwise, uh, keep it locked into GI Joburg, and we'll catch you here the uh, next week, and hopefully with some audience participation, uh, because our schedules have sort of equalized a little bit. So we're gonna have some audience members on here. We're gonna do some fun stuff as usual, and cool. Yeah, and that's that's me for the. And if you'd like to get hold of us, you can send an email to a real South African hero at gmail.com. You could even include a voice note like Mr. Smith did this evening. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. We love feedback. We love questions. Um, but also, if you do comment on the YouTube thread or wherever you hear this podcast or Facebook or wherever is social, it might make for fodder on another episode. So uh, let your voice be heard, Joe Burgers. Anyways, that's enough from me. We see you. Yeah. <laughs> We hear you, I think. We see your words and hear them in our mind. But this has been episode 197 from Inside the Slaughterhouse. 
an episode dedicated entirely to our latest Playmotion adventure, Slaughterhouse. Available now on YouTube, if you haven't seen it already, in which case this episode has gone squarely over your head. <laughs> Link in the description. All right, boys, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week, except for Zazel, who will probably be doing something better. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. I super appreciate it. Oh, it's oh, a pleasure, pleasure, my pleasure, man. All right. Laters. Laters. I'm Third. dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Joe. Berg. There you go. <laughs> Renegades for life. Air conditioning. <laughs>